thing will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you, Lord, that you prosper your word in the things that you've sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us today. And thank you, Lord, for what your word will accomplish in our lives. God, we commit this time to you. We submit ourselves to you, Lord. Our hearts, our minds, our very beings. Speak, Lord, for your servants here. Grant a fresh anointing of your spirit that I might minister under your anointing so that yokes will be destroyed and burdens removed. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and we thank you. Amen. They rebuilt the altar first. First. And of course, we're going to talk about the significance of rebuilding the altar. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, when you look at the destruction of Jerusalem, it's important that we understand that it was no small thing. You know, when you look at this, um, it's not a small thing in the eyes of God, uh, nor was it a small thing in the eyes of the Jews or the nations that surrounded them. When you think of the history of the nation of Israel, when you think of the history of the Hebrew nation, um, and you think of the renown of God, amen, the sovereign God, the God of the Hebrew people, as he brought them out of bondage in Egypt. And you look at this whole history of how God brought them out, you know, and took them through the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army that followed them were drowned in the sea that day, and they saw that enemy no more. And you see how God brought them into the promised land. You see, you see the destruction of, 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 of Jericho, Walls fell down flat. I mean, God did mighty things. God sub subdued the enemies before them everywhere they went, as long as they trusted him and they, they kept him first. And, and God, God raised up this group of people that, that he brought out of bondage in Egypt and made them a mighty nation, made them a mighty nation under David, later under Solomon, God made his nation, this nation of people, a mighty nation. And then for them, after Solomon's reign, after Solomon's death, uh, under his sons and the nations uh, is divided, and then they, they continually go downhill. Yeah. The nation of Israel uh, in the northern kingdom um, just continued wickedly uh, with wicked kings. Israel was, Judah was a bit different. Judah uh, lasted about 150 years longer. The nation of Judah lasted about 150 years longer than the nation of Israel. But it was a, it was a, a constant descent, a constant decline. And for, for, for Babylon, a wicked nation, to come and to capture uh, the nation of Judah, to, to destroy and burn the temple, burn the temple of God, the temple of the Most High God, to burn that temple to the ground and, and, and to, 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 to break down the walls. When you look at it, they didn't break down all of the walls, but they breached many points 
in the wall, that they, around the holy city, the walls that, that symbolize uh, divine protection and security. Now this, the walls have been broken down, and these people have been taken into exile. So this destruction of, 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 of Jerusalem was no small thing. It was no small thing. It brought, it brought reproach to the people of God, but it also brought reproach to God. But, but God, in his, in his infinite wisdom and, 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 and in his mighty power, God already had a plan. Now, you know, the, the choir just finished singing a portion of the, the, the word of the Lord that came to Solomon before Solomon dedicated the temple. If you read in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, Solomon prayed to God. Uh, as he dedicated the temple and asked God uh, that if he would do this, if the people would sin against him, what, how God would bring restoration. And God answers Solomon, and God says to Solomon, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. And will forgive their sin and will heal the land. Will heal the land. Will heal the land. Yeah. So God, God already had a plan. You know, God knows our hearts. Yeah. God knows man. God, you know, we, we have a desire to do right, but a lot of times we don't do right. Amen. 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 And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll lose the desire to do right. And that's a dangerous place to be, to to lose the desire to do what's right. You know, as long as you have the desire to do right, the Holy Ghost can work with you and push you and prod you and, 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 and put people around you and, 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 and send his word to you and convict you of your sins and, 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 and move you closer and closer and closer to the Lord. But if you lose the desire, if you lose the desire to do right, that's a dangerous place to be. It's a very dangerous place to be. When you, when you lose the desire to do right, worship means nothing to you. When you lose the desire to do right, you can come to church or you can stay at home. And it does not matter at all because there's something missing in your spirit, man, in your spirit, woman. You've lost the desire. And when you, look at, when you look at the nation of Israel and the Jewish people, uh, somewhere along the way, many of them lost a desire to worship the Lord. They lost a desire. They lost a desire to follow uh, the law of God. And they, they began to mix in and mingle themselves in with, with the people of the nations around them. Amen. Amen. You know, and that's, that's, that's another dangerous thing, saints. You know, I know, I know we live in a day and time where people are well-educated and, you know, people have figured out so many things as to, you know, and people think and they reason. And we have a lot of philosophical people and, you know, they don't understand why. You know, I don't see anything wrong with, with doing this and wrong. I don't see anything wrong with doing that. But, but God knew that there was something wrong with mixing and mingling with ungodly people and ungodly things. So even though sometimes you can't figure it out in your mind, you know, why you can't go hang out at the nightclub, you know, you, you know, you can't figure it out. God already told you that there's something dangerous about mixing and mingling with other people. 
even though you can't figure out why you shouldn't be dating somebody who's not saved, God already figured it out and God already knew, amen, that you shouldn't be mixing and mingling with folk. If you're saved and you're trying to establish a covenant relationship with somebody that's not saved, God's already said, that ain't going to work. God says, come out from among them and be ye shepherds, saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, you know, so some, sometimes in our smartness, you know, in our educatedness, we can miss God. Sometimes in our reasoning, we can, we can miss God. You know, in our common sense, we can miss God. God didn't tell you to have common sense. The Bible says those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So he wasn't concerned about your common sense. He wanted you to be led by his Spirit because your common sense can lead you wrong. Because that's what it is. It's just common. I don't want common sense. I want simple supernatural sense. Did you hear me? I don't want common sense. I want supernatural sense. I want the Spirit of God to lead me, to guide me into all truth. Because sometimes in myself, I can miss God. Amen. If I'm led by my own mind, that's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Lean not to your own understanding. Tell your neighbor sitting next to you, lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. God, we need your direction. God, we don't need to go in our, in our own mind. We don't need to be led by our own mind. We need your direction, God. Yeah, 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 yeah. We need God's direction because we will go astray. The nation of Judah, the nation of Israel, they went astray because they, because they did not follow God. They did not follow God specifically. You know, and, and there are too many, we, we have too many loopholes. Listen to me carefully. We make too many allowances. We give too many passes. We do. We really do. You know, we were studying this morning in Sunday school with our young people uh, from Luke chapter 14. And Jesus says, if any man come to me and hate not mother, father, sister, brother, husband, wife, yea, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And you read down through there, and he uses cannot four times in there. Three times he says, he cannot be my disciple. So I asked the question, I asked this in, in our Bible study on Wednesday night in Winsboro. I asked the question, can you be a Christian and not a disciple? And it's something for you to think about. Something for every believer to think about. Because a lot of people believe that Jesus is Lord. But the devils believe Jesus is Lord. A lot of people believe in God. But the devil believes there is a God. So what's the difference? What's the difference? And, you know, when Jesus uses these words, you know, it challenges us, it challenges me to say, well, if I'm going to be a disciple of the Lord, then Christ has to be first in my life. And he shares his position with nobody. He doesn't share his position with my mama. He doesn't share his position with my daddy. He doesn't share his position with my wife. He doesn't share his position with my child. 
He does not share his position with my career. He doesn't share his position with my desire. He does not share his position with anyone. So if I'm going to be his disciple, my allegiance has to be to him first and foremost. So if there is something in me that's against the will of God and I want to be his disciple, then that thing in me that's against the will of God has to die so I can be his disciple. And that's a tough thing. When you wrestle, you know, when, when you give up, it's not tough. When you just say, Lord, I surrender. You put yourself in a different place when you say, Lord, I surrender. And you really mean, Lord, I surrender. I'm not saying you won't be tempted. I'm not saying that folk won't pull on you. I'm not saying that your mama might come up and say, okay, now we're going on vacation, but the Lord said we're going on a mission trip. Now who are you going to follow? I'm going on a mission trip. Mama, y'all go on vacation. Bye. May not be a mission trip. It might be going on a shopping trip. A shopping trip. You know? Are you understanding me? You know, and, and, and these things, these things that the body of Christ has to deal with, place of God. When we start mixing and mingling, we start intermarrying with the world. You know, when we don't keep God sanctified in our hearts and special in our hearts, and we, 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 everything else starts coming in and starts pulling on us, now we love the world more than we love God. Now we love the things of the world more than we love God. So what do you do when there's prayer called and your friends are having a birthday party? Where do you go? Where do you go? What do you do when there's revival at the church and somebody else is, 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 is planned something to do somewhere? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? I mean, you can judge yourself. Didn't you want to be judged? I don't have to judge you. You already know what you've already done. You know, because, you know, we get to this place today, well, I need some me time. I can't give all my time to the church. Ah, Lord have mercy. And we start mixing ourselves up and we start mingling and we start intermingling with the things of the world. And now God is not special anymore. God does not have first a place in our lives anymore. And what happens is we become just like the nation of Judah and the nation of Israel. We put ourselves in a position that we strayed so far away from God that God has to deal with us in our sins. And the only way for God to shake us up and bring us back to the reality, and guess what? Everybody doesn't get back to reality. Remember last week? Remember the message last week? The last point of the message was some of them. Only some of them came back. Only some of them started worshiping. Only some of them gave. Some of them. Everybody doesn't get back. Some people stray so far and they fall so much in love with the world that then God has no place in their lives anymore. 
Ooh, the sin of apostasy. Ooh, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. So I said God had a plan for his people, and God always has a plan. It's not the Lord's will that anyone perish. It's his will that all come to repentance. It, God is not sitting in heaven looking for an opportunity to kill you. He's not. God's desire is that we repent and that we come back to him in humble submission to his will. So God, God punished Israel 70 years. 70 years, Judah. And I, sometimes we interchange Judah and Israel when we're talking about Judah, but they're two separate kingdoms at this time. So God punishes you 70 years. Now, when you read Chronicles, it talks about it, during that 70 years, it was a Sabbath for the land. It was a Sabbath for the land because the land rested. You see, the people had become so wicked that they had misused the land. They had polluted the land. They had done all kinds of things. They stopped following God's prescription. And so God says, I'm going to let my land rest. Lord, don't, don't let your land rest under me. I don't want to be in the place where God has to punish me and take me out of my place so that the land can rest. I don't want us to be in a place where God has to punish us and move us out of the way so that his church can rest. So after 70 years, God brings restoration. God brings restoration. And they go back, they go back home. Some of them go back to the homeland. But before they start rebuilding the temple, and I didn't check this out, but I would imagine that even before they start rebuilding the wall, look at what they did first. They rebuild the altars. They rebuild, they rebuild the altars. Because worship has to be rebuilt before we put everything else in place. Worship of the sovereign God has to be rebuilt and restored before everything else can get in place. God is not looking for us to give him what we want. God is looking for us to give him what he has prescribed in his word. Bible says, and when the seventh month had come and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered together as one man in Jerusalem. And I read that one man, and I wasn't going to preach about that, but since the Lord just took me back to it, on the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, they were in the upper room, and they were on what? One accord. It's something about God's people coming on one accord. It's something about God's people having the same mind, having the same determination, having the same will. People came together as one. The Bible says we're to endeavor to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. God, God is unified. He is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but he's one God. And God is looking for his people to be one people, but they came together as one. Yeah. In the middle part of verse 2, it calls the names of the priest 
And everybody didn't do the rebuilding because everybody couldn't do the rebuilding. Whenever you feel like you're being left out of something, just go back and read the word. Maybe you weren't included, intended to be included in it. But don't get mad and go home and sit down. I, I, I preached this last week. Some people thought they were of, of Israel, but they couldn't find their lineage. And the governor said, wait. You know, they didn't leave Israel. They had been a part of them for so long. The governor said, wait, so they waited. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe they weren't in, intended to be. Don't get mad and go home. But anyway, it was the priest. It wasn't everybody. It was the priest that the Lord used. And they built the altar of God, of the God of Israel, to offer burnt offerings on it. How? As it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. They built the altar first. As it was written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So in essence, what they do is they come back and they restore biblical worship. They restore biblical worship. Saints, my whole desire is that we worship God biblically. It's my whole desire that we worship God biblically. You know, we can do anything in here. We can have y'all twirling around and dancing. We can have all kind of music. We can have the strobe lights on, black out the windows. But Jesus came to bring light, not darkness. I don't have to make it look like a nightclub in order to get your attention. Amen? Our desire is to worship God biblically. Yeah. Hallelujah. So restoration of worship comes first. The worship of Israel was paramount to the success and the health of the people. Yeah. Biblical worship. Look, look. In order for them to be spiritually healthy, they had to have a healthy relationship with God. The first thing that proceeds out of a healthy relationship with God is worship. If you don't have a desire to worship God, I'm not talking about in the sanctuary now. I'm talking about at home. I'm talking about on your job. I'm talking about when you find time, amen, when you're by yourself and nobody else is there, whether you can hold on to a tune or whether you can't hold on to a tune, amen. If you don't have a desire to worship God in your private time, in your secret place, you don't have a healthy relationship with him. Because a relationship with God, amen, automatically prompts you to worship him. Hallelujah. Are you listening? When you love God, you worship him. You're, Think about, think about your, 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 your husbands and your wives and your boyfriends and your girlfriends. Think about what you do to them. Think about how you make them feel good because you love them. Think about the things you say to them because you love them. Think about the things you do for them because you love them. Nobody has to prop you. You don't, you don't have to sit under a, a, a preacher and he, he takes you through seven steps of the languages of love to teach you how to love somebody that you really love. 
I mean, it's an automatic thing. Am I talking to anybody? It's the same thing with God. You don't have to have somebody to take you through the 12 steps of the languages of how to love God. Amen. If you really love him, it's going to show in the life you live. And out of your love will come your worship. Because worship is adoring God. Worship is loving on God. Worship is talking to God. You can come to church and you can sing the songs and not worship God. You can come to church and you can lift your hands and not worship God. Because ultimately, worship proceeds from your being. So when they got back into the land, they were very careful that they built the altars first. Now the Lord asked me this morning to ask you, how many of you need, need to rebuild the altar of the living God in your life? How many of you need to rebuild the altar to the living God in your personal life? How many? I'm reminded of Elijah, Elijah on Mount Carmel. And notice that before Elijah rebuilt that altar, and I'm sure it happened here, the scripture just doesn't tell us. Because when they tore the altar down, they were only concerned about destruction. They were not concerned about clearing the place. But when you read in Samuel about Elijah, he tore the altar of Baal down first before he built the altar to God. So some of us either need to clean the rubble from those old altars that have been destroyed, or if there is an altar to Baal in your life, if there is an altar to a Baal, to a false god in your life, whether it be a man or a woman or a job or a career, amen, whether it's your own self, you need to tear down the altar and rebuild the altar to the living God so that you go back to worshiping the living God. I'm almost done. Almost done. And notice, and I'll say to, to say this again, that it says in the word uh, that they offered the burnt offerings as it was written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Whoo! Now I, I'm going a little bit further, but 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 later on it talks about they even keeping the feast of the tabernacles as it is written, as it is written, as it is written and offered the daily burnt offerings in the number required by ordinance. Required by, where was the ordinance? It was written. Amen, the law of Moses. And you know, and I'm often reminded of the scripture in Galatians when it talked about the people who offered will worship. You know what will worship is? You think of something and you decide, this is what I'm gonna give God. You listen to what somebody else does and you don't think through it. 
Oh, we can do this up here to make our worship exciting. Sometimes worship doesn't need to be exciting. You know, I, I, you know and I, 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 I had to go to bed last night about 8.30, so this morning, 4 o'clock, I was wide awake, you know. And when the Lord wake me up early in the morning, a whole lot of stuff is going on in my mind. So I guess it was this morning, and I began to think about what's wrong with this generation. You can't listen to music unless it's blasting loud. What's wrong with this generation? To be in a quiet place is strange for a lot of people. You got to have a lot of people around. You got to have a lot of noise. There's something wrong. Something wrong. So, so now, now worship now, in order for worship to be attractive to some people, it has to be loud. It's got to be fast. Something wrong. When I think of God speaking to Elijah on that mountain in a still, small voice. Something wrong when the devil has ramped this up so high. This will worship, the devil has ramped it up and taken it to a place that there's a generation we're going to miss when we try to go back and reverently worship God. And finally, finally, so they built the altar, they built the altar first, which meant that that was restoration of worship. They restored the, the true worship, the biblical worship. And if you don't know biblical worship, you ought to read the Bible. That's all you got to do. Read the Bible. Amen. I know this is not truth. Oh, I'm on Facebook, so I can't say that. Anyway, so I'm glad I remembered because I was about to say something. And, uh, I need to say off of Facebook to us. But look at what, what it says. Yeah. What's happening? You see, saints of God, they have come back to their homeland, but there are a lot of enemies around them. There are a lot of people that don't like them. You know, a lot of people want to, want to, was, was glad to see the nation of Judah destroyed. I mean, they were really happy, so there are enemies everywhere. And so as these people come back, they don't have an army. All right? They don't have physical protection. So, so, so there is fear that has been stirred up inside of them. But this is what the Lord showed me. The restoration of worship was a response, but also a defense to the fear that, 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 that they had for their enemy. Oh, my, 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 my. I thought about this. If fear ever grips you, go to worship. If the doctor tells you you're going to die tomorrow, start worshiping. Are you listening? I know this doesn't make sense to some people, but let me tell you something about getting in the presence of God. It's something about getting your mind out of where the devil is trying to put your mind and put your focus back on God. They were scared of their enemies, but they built the altar. Worship. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Lord, be a fence all around me. Every day. Lord, have mercy. 
And God, I don't just ask you to be a fence around me. I trust you to be the fence around me. And being a fence around me, I will not look at my enemy, but I will look at you, and I will give you glory, and I will give you praise, and I will worship you when the children of people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir came up against the nation of Israel. The Bible says they put the people of praise in front of the army. And they went forth singing and worshiping God. The Lord is good and his mercy endured forever. Yes, the enemy is in front of me. Yes, but the Lord is good and his mercy endured forever. Yes, the enemy is all around me, but the Lord is good and his mercy endured forever. Yes, the enemy is stronger than me, but the Lord is good and his mercy endured forever. Lord, I will worship you. I will praise you because my worship will dispel the fear Oh, God, my worship, saints, saints, we need to go back. There are a lot of people that are walking in fear. You're walking in fear of things that are happening, that have happened in your life, things that's happening in your life. Your defenses have been torn down, maybe because of your own sins, or maybe because of the circumstances. The walls around you have been destroyed. God says, come back to worship me. God says, come back to home. God says, rebuild the altar. God says, when you begin to worship me, then I can move in your life. When you begin to honor me, when you begin to respect me, when you begin to put me in my rightful place, then I can be around you what you need me to be. You say, God, why can't you do it before I do all of that? Why would he? Jesus couldn't do many mighty miracles in Nazareth because of the people's unbelief. They bound his hands. Sins will bind the hand of God in our lives. God says, come back. God says, God says, come back. Rebuild the altars. Rebuild the altar in your life. You know the fire is not burning like it used to burn. You know the flame is not there. You know the desire for God is not there like it used to be. God says rebuild the altar. And because the desire for God isn't there, fear has crept in. And you're trusting the wrong things and the wrong people. So if you want to dispel the fear in the face of your enemy, come back to worship.